0: Hello. Welcome to I Love Rock and
1: Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And I am the uh, current drummer of The Who, Chip Chantry. How are you, Ken? Hey, what's going on? Uh, I'm I'm excited. Excited to be here today. I'm excited about our topic. And we also have a guest.
0: Why don't, why don't you introduce our guest? All right. Uh, first time on the show,
1: long uh, longtime listener, first-time caller. <laughs> he is a uh, former... Maybe current stand-up comedian. He is a business owner. He is Philadelphia's quizzo host extraordinaire and part owner of the Philadelphia Phoenix, the ultimate disc league in Philadelphia. Uh, Friend of the show, maybe his fourth time on here, Mr. Johnny Goodtimes. Johnny, how are you, buddy?
2: I'm doing great. Uh, you've mixed. You missed. Uh, messed up the bio a little bit. I am a uh, longtime co-host of the show. Uh, not never first-time listener. Okay, so you've never actually heard. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So you've, you've 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 been on many times, but you've I'm, never actually. I have been
2: on a lot. It. I've just never actually listened to the show. But today, changing all that. Okay, great.
0: I'm I'm with you, Johnny. I've actually also never listened to the show. This might not have actually gone out to anywhere
1: (laughs) like this might just be sitting on somebody's hard drive.
0: I can't think of anything worse than listening to yourself back.
1: It's it is it is terrible. It is horrifying. I, I can't stand it. But, uh, but we're, so we're not going to listen to this. Let's just move forward with this mm-hmm. podcast. So, so Johnny, before we get in, uh, they can follow you. People can find you at, at Johnny Good Times, I believe. Right. On
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. The, for belligerent. If you're, if you're into belligerence,
1: follow me at Johnny Goodtimes on Twitter. Uh, you know, I think if- it's, and by, by the way, you've aged like a fine wine, Johnny. I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's moved from hope to belligerence to just crankiness.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 Twi- Twitter uh, yeah, will do no, I that too. Yeah. yeah. I think that, you know, you get to a certain age and you're like, what was what's with all this hope? Right. You know, like there's the, you know, like let's go straight to um, you know, just just putting like petty, frustrating things out
1: into the public sphere. I think it's things the, that think nobody, nobody wants you. to know about. Speaking of petty uh things, you just wrote an article uh that just got put out uh by is it Billy Penn, I think. Yes. Uh do you want to tell us briefly about that?
2: Well, I want to I think it ties in nicely with our topic for the day uh, yep. because I wrote an article about a former guest of the show Ken Queter, mm-hmm. the um, legend the uh the living legend who is performing his 30th anniversary show at Smoky Joe's tonight. Um well tonight we're talking not not when you're listening but it is uh Pretty astounding that this dude who is renowned for his rock and roll theatrics and antics has somehow gone to smoky joe's every tuesday for 30 years no matter if he had just been on a binger for a week or if he had just you know eaten garlic sandwiches and slept for a week Mm -hmm. whichever version of ken was going that week didn't matter he showed up at smoky joe's and and rocked it out and so really kind of cool that um you know that that a guy like that is, you know, if you get a chance to spotlight him, you, you want to because he's such an awesome dude and he's such a he's such a great songwriter. As Chip and I are both big time fans of his, mm-hmm. um, and, and and he's one of those guys that is just. There's very few people that you're like. There's never going to be another person like that. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, most people, it's like, okay, yeah, no, there'll be another, um, you know, assistant VP at the bank. There is never going to be another Ken Queter.
0: The yeah. the story of his coke dealer, uh, getting him to write the ballad of Minute Bowl by yeah. offering him, he was like, here's here's like an eight ball, and just stay here until you write. A song about Minute Bowl for me. Yeah.
2: Yes, yes. And I want to, I need to resend something I said earlier. Chip was uh, correct about me in the bio. I have listened to the show because I did listen to the <laughs> Ken Peter episode. <laughs> <of the show. laughs> I had forgotten
0: about that. that. That is one of the all-time great rock and roll stories that I've ever heard
1: and and if you're if you're somebody listening right now and you've never heard of Ken Queter, you don't know his music or his story, go back a couple months to the Ken Queter episode of this podcast. He, he's amazing and listen to his music, great Dude's story, songwriter, uh crazy story, best guy in the world and uh uh living legend. And and finally, Johnny, before we uh jump into our topic, you have a big night on Friday night.
2: Um yes, we have our season opener. Uh, down in South Philly, 10th and Bigler, the Philadelphia Phoenix ultimate team. Uh, we don't say ultimate Frisbee
1: chip because I said um, ultimate disc.
2: Yeah, no, the ultimate disc, which I don't, the word disc just doesn't roll off the tongue. I, I, I want to change all of it, but just ultimate nobody, okay.
0: yeah. Oh, you're one yeah. of those Maverick owners.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm a big time maverick. You're like, you're like, you're like the Al Davis.
0: Of... Yeah,
2: yeah, no, I am. I am definitely. Yeah, I am the 2020s Al Davis. Um,
1: and you kind of look like if for, for those of you listening at home, Johnny kind of looks like and has the hairstyle of the owner of the Raiders, too. So that's kind of what we're. Well, that would be Al Davis's son, Mark yeah. Davis, who yeah. um, uh, is.
2: And I don't want to be rude here, but perhaps the least attractive man ever born. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he um, his father was the guy that nobody in the league liked. And uh, everybody was just like, where the hell is this guy coming from? And I mm-hmm. think I'm starting to put those vibes out. Uh, into- <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah. what if, if you don't like disc or Frisbee? What 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 are you looking for?
2: like the name just, just yeah ultimate? i don't know i don't know i will see here's the problem i like the name ultimate frisbee you just can't use it because frisbee is like a trademark mm-hmm. and frisbee is not a sponsor of the league
1: yeah right by so, the way which is unfortunate and i'm just making uh, this announcement right now i actually just trademarked the name johnny good times just last oh. week so you'll no longer be able to use that yeah uh
2: so here's a here's a funny thing about um about that uh I have not trademarked the name and uh, have had it for 20 years now. And at one point the WWE had a wrestler and I I assume they looked up the name Johnny good times online. They saw that I had a website and all this, you know, infrastructure and everything. And they were like, Oh, that guy's clearly trademarked it. So they called their guy, Johnny good time. Wow. Singular. Yeah. Yes. There was a wrestler for a while called Johnny Goodtime. I actually got like a couple of emails like, oh, I hate what you did in Minneapolis or whatever. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like I no, idea what you're talking about. I put two and two together.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, well um, uh, speaking- uh, Johnny. Uh, I, I will uh, be there on Friday in South Philly. I'm excited for the game. Um, so everybody make it out to the Philadelphia Phoenix, check them out. Um, this Friday home opener, uh, Johnny, do you, are you ready to have a singular good time right now?
0: Oh, don't you know it? All right. I'm uh, I'm so excited Ken. for today's for today's topic. Uh with, by the way, this is our seventy fifth show. The wow. Big Seven Five. The Big Seven Five. Yeah. And uh for our seventy-fifth special, we are covering uh who I believe to be not only the greatest rock drummer of all time, but the singular greatest rock star. Whoever lived, uh, the legendary Keith Moon of The Who. I am
1: almost disappointed in us, Ken, that it took us 75 episodes to get to. But well, like, Although maybe maybe we didn't deserve it. Maybe we had to ramp up.
0: We had, listen, we, ha- we had to get, you know, there was a lot of important stories to cover. We had to, uh, Johnny Cash fist fighting an ostrich. Sure. We had to get that out there.
1: Yeah. Uh, the hello people, the, uh, <laughs> the mime band. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean,
2: you know, so many, you know, it's so many accomplishments because it's so rare that you see somebody who spreads the career out over both rock and roll and professional sports. And, you know, the guy was also quarterback for the Houston Oilers for 12 years, uh, led them to that uh, big AFC uh, game against the Bills. They lost that um, they were up 35 to three and then they lost. The Bills pulled off the greatest comeback ever, but great quarterback. Uh, a great human being, uh, Warren Moon. You know, it's just really cool that we're, it's weird to me that we're talking about him on a rock show, but really cool.
1: Okay. So, Johnny, I might have messed up. Maybe there was an autocorrect. We're talking about Keith Moon, the drummer of the band, uh, the rock band, The Who, the outfit from the UK.
2: Oh, oh. Not, yes, no, it's not good. Oh, because that's the thing. You're like, oh, let's talk about how he trashed hotel rooms. I was like, I always thought he was kind of a gentleman. <laughs> you know, I, didn't, I had no idea about these hotel rooms. I couldn't find anything about it on Google either. I was like, I don't know. All right, I'll I'll be on the show, but I don't know. OK, I see now. I Keith, see. Keith I see. I got it. Scratch yeah. that. I got it.
0: Two different fellas. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But maybe sharing the same heart. So mm-hmm. let's. Ken, where do you even begin with Keith Moon?
0: Well, I. Uh, that that's a good question. He he is um there are so many outrageous stories about Keith Moon that, that I actually took notes on this episode for the first time in months. Nice because you. but let's let's start with the music. How Johnny, are you a, are you a big Who fan, casual, hate them? Where where do you stand?
2: I, I fall casual. Yeah. Yeah, I like a lot of their I like I like the hits.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well they they had I mean they had some string of hits in the sixties. Um to me one of like the, the British invasion bands that everybody always talks about, it's like the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, and to a lesser extent the Kinks. Although I think the Kinks belong there. Yeah, definitely, the, same yeah, definitely the Kinks. Yeah. Um, but for me, the the Who is right behind the Stones. Like, I would put Stones number one. I would put The Who above The Beatles. Um, And because
1: uh, I, I think they took the bat- baton, like, you know, I think The Beatles kind of set the framework to a certain extent. And then The Who really ran with it. Uh,
0: I also think that um, that there's never been a more uh, original rock drummer. Like, I've never heard anybody come close to getting his sound down, Um, his his sound, his even the setup of his drums is like you set up
1: a lot different than a lot of drummers. Um, He didn't have a hi-hat for, I think, most of his career, just didn't have one. And um, he just looks like I I love the way he plays because it literally obviously he is very skilled, amazing drummer, one of the best, if not the best. It just the way he plays, it just looks like for 15 years, he just got lucky every single time he hit a drum that it hit at the right time. Like, there just doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to what he does. Like, there's so many like technical guys that are amazing. And it, it's almost like he just falls into the drums and it it somehow works every single time.
0: I think if you would put him in any other band besides the who it wouldn't have worked. Right. Like there there was talk for a while. I don't I don't know if this is true, but legend has it there was talk for a while. Ringo was very unhappy in the Beatles, Keith was unhappy in the Who and there was talks of them switching drummers and putting Keith Moon in the Beatles. I I can't even like in my head I can't even get a picture of what that would sound like.
2: Yeah, they needed something a bit more combustible there toward the end.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just it needed a wild card. Here's if if you've never seen Keith Moon, like if if you don't have a good idea of who Keith Moon is, know that um, animal from the Muppet Show is modeled on Keith Moon.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. And, and, and and pretty accurately, I feel like.
0: Yes, and and somehow it works. It it it, it completely works. They, they said, so he he was in a band uh, when he was a teenager. Uh, the Who was a band called The Detours at that point. And they had a different drummer besides Keith Moon. Keith Moon was in a surf rock band in England, which was very big in England at the time. He's in this band called The Beachcombers doing Beach Boys covers and shit like that. And uh, he goes out one night and sees the detours playing and it's, it's fully formed. You know, it's Pete Towns and Roger Daltrey, John Entwistle. And he's like, I I think I'd like to be in that band instead. And just approach them at the bar one night after watching them was like, Hey, I'd like to be in your band. And I think they were in the process of getting rid of their drummer. And they told Keith to show up to an audition and he pounded the drums so hard that they came apart because the the way they were, the way drums were made back then, they weren't intended for pounding the shit out of. Yeah, and uh, the the drum kit came completely apart, and it was just you know like a, a shitload of noise. And they were like, "All right, first gig's Monday. You know, come back then."
1: Yeah. And he was also, he was like 18 at the time. He was a child.
0: Yes. Yeah. He he was 18 already with a considerable drinking problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had what was, you know, undiagnosed, you know, they, they didn't have the diagnosis back then, but he had serious, I, I would imagine serious ADD. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I saw something. Can you imagine getting this on your report card in in the year 2022? I saw something uh, like a, a documentary on him where w- he, he got terrible grades. He couldn't concentrate in school. Music was the only thing he could ever focus on. And um, they actually show the report card. It's all D's and F's. Mm-hmm. And one of the teachers wrote, I think Keith might be retarded. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can't do that anymore. You know, you'd have yeah. some trouble doing no. that now.
1: No, yeah, no. yeah.
2: Uh, Chip, you were a teacher for a
1: while. Yeah, and that's why I'm not. That is actually <laughs> the specific reason. It was the uh, second second marking period the yeah, court, debacle right? of 2015.
0: Yeah. You, you know, what's so funny is that teacher thought he was being helpful. You know, like, <laughs> like, like yeah. maybe this will shed some light.
2: Yeah. I- <laughs> I got some got some good news and some bad news. I think we've got a prognosis. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but there's if you listen to those early Who songs, there are I mean there's drum fills that come out of nowhere that that don't even make sense. You've never heard anybody do them before or since. I mean, you know, before or after. Right. And um you can you can spot you can spot a Who song by the drums well and and what i was listening to a lot of
1: people were saying that he just approached it totally differently not even just the setup and and the, the you know the strength of what he did but it wasn't like he w- like most drummers like charlie watts perfect example we talked about charlie and just amazing basically dra- jazz drummer kept the time was just perfect where but like most drummers would just keep the time where he Moon, like, it was almost like his goal to play the melody along with the bat. Like, they said he was, like, the first really upfront drummer. Like, he was just as much a part as Townsend, as Daltrey wa- was. And, like, he almost kind of played along the melody instead of just hiding back and keeping time for everybody else.
0: Yeah. Um If you want a good representation of of what he sounds like like listen to the end of my generation where he he just he goes he goes crazy at the end of that yeah and i'm trying to like you've heard that song billions of times you know like if i hear it on the radio now i skip past it because i've heard it so many times Mm -hmm. but i was like trying to remember what it was like the first time i heard that and and heard those drums and it's mind-blowing
1: Yeah. Another really good uh, uh, piece is if you you can watch him, it's a video on YouTube of them doing who are you like in the studio. And it's it's right before he died, I guess, probably a couple months before he died. And it's just watching him attack the drums. It's it's pretty amazing.
2: And and question I have uh, for you guys, like, do you think, you know, when he's just wailing out, do you think the other guy's first reaction is, oh, my God, this guy's a genius or, oh, my God, this guy's insane?
0: I think they thought he was insane. Uh, In fact, Pete Townsend, in a recent interview, like in the last year or so, said (laughs) – Pete's Pete's always an interesting interview. He said something to the effect of um, he's glad Keith Moon died because he could finally – like rain in their sound a little bit and, and not, not worry about everything going off the rails. Yeah. Because you, you never, you never knew what you were going to get His his uh, alcoholism and his drug intake were legendary.
2: Right. And, yeah. And, and you know, that's the thing too. It's like, for the guys that are in this to be in a rock band and have a party, it's one thing. But for the guys that actually want to make a career out of this, it's got to be frustrating after a while when every night you sleep in a hotel, you know you're going to have the manager waking you up at 5 a.m. screaming his head off. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah you know, that that does is something that's something that probably it's really fun to read about. And it's really like a hilarious thing. But as a member of the actual band, it was probably really annoying.
1: Yeah. Oh, like I said, he might be my favorite rock drummer was amazing. And I don't think I would be able to stand five minutes of being in the same room as him well the I thing the, I, th- I would not be able to stand him
0: the yeah. thing i think that like listen like now in this day and age destroying hotel rooms it's such a boring cliche but at the time you know it was it was completely um like uncharted waters for yeah and um he turned it into an art form but he did it with so much humor that I the the sense I get is that he was one of those guys that you'd want to strangle but then you were like I just can't stay mad at this dude. Yeah. Because yeah. all he wanted was to make people laugh. He would do anything for a laugh. He would do anything to entertain people. Um and I think that his severe ADD like he would get he'd get into more trouble when the who weren't touring or recording when he didn't have anything else going on. Yeah. Um, you know, the other three members kept themselves pretty busy uh, even when the, who weren't touring, but for Keith, that was it. Yeah. Um, but he's like what, what I like to call bizarro Davy Jones. That's basically <laughs> what he was.
1: He just, just a little, little British guy that wanted everybody to like him and just went about it a totally different way. And I was watching the, it was like a biography, I think like a BBC biography on YouTube last night. And what a lot of people were saying was like, it's almost like he got, which I think a lot of alcoholics, drug, drug, drug addicts do not only just the drugs and alcohol, but like he just created such a reputation for himself that it was like, he couldn't be off. Like he, even maybe even if he wanted to be just quiet one night, he felt like he had to always be on and always outdo himself. And because that's what people were expecting. So it was almost like he just got caught in this cycle Oh. He, he,
0: he was trapped in his own character like there's there's a famous story. You can actually go on YouTube and see the footage. Uh, there's grainy black and white footage from the cow palace in San Francisco. And before the show, some girl approached Keith Moon and she had a bunch of pills in her hand. Monkey tranquilizers, according to the legend. And she says,
1: Johnny to, knows all about that. I was, yeah, as somebody oh, oh, yeah. who's been Hello, very.
2: 2012. <laughs> oh,
0: and she said to him, you know, if you take a half of one of these and, and you know, like a glass of brandy, you're, you're going to get a real interesting buzz. And he was like half. I'm Keith Moon. And he took all the pills out of her hand, gobbled them down, drank, you know, a pint or a glass of brandy. Goes out on stage, um, literally passes out in the middle of Magic Bus. Just slumps over, hits the floor. Uh, there, And you can watch this on YouTube. Keith, uh, uh, Pete and Roger are like kicking him in the rib, like trying to get him up, slapping him around. They finally get him back up. They go into another song. And within two minutes, passed back out, falls right over. And um, this is the coolest thing because this is the thing like that you always fantasize about. They continue the show. Uh, Pete gets to the microphone. He's like, "Hey, uh, anybody in the audience can play drums." And some eighteen-year-old kid walks up on stage, and they finish the show with like a high school senior.
2: Wow! Amazing that's awesome that's like wearing your your jersey to the baseball game and your glove and they say hey anybody here know how to pitch you're like oh my yeah. god not only do I know how to pitch I got my jersey off yeah
0: like it's com- like how many like when you first started comedy remember you'd go to shows and you'd be like
1: oh maybe maybe the
0: headliner will get food poisoning and they'll be like <laughs> can anybody here is anybody here funny I might be able to help out yeah by the way Johnny
1: I can throw a frisbee pretty far mm-hmm. I'm just what, what all, all I'm saying is I'll be there right. on Friday.
0: Yeah, be there Friday.
1: And, Folks, okay. be there Friday. I think that's something we may try to incorporate this year
2: yeah. uh, as the renegade owner. We may have a fan at each game come onto the field and play for two, three minutes. Yeah. Um, I think that's something other sports aren't doing that no. we could that we could do. Yeah. There's um, no way. For the, for the kids listening at home, do not take more than three monkey, monkey tranquilizers at any one time.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you're saying you know, three is yeah. the limit for monkey? Yeah, labs. the
2: absolute maximum. If you're gonna take them, and you know that's up to you, but if you're sure. gonna take them, no more than three. uh You're it's it's just gonna be a really bad buzz. Okay,
1: good to know. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks for that PSA.
0: There's yep. no way Chip could pass one of those HGH tests. Now he, right, he right,
1: right, he's, right. he's riddled
0: okay. he's riddled with steroids. Yeah, yeah PVDs. I mean,
1: yeah, they they know just by looking at me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, but Keith Moon was was the one who brought destroying hotel rooms. Uh, he, he made it an art form. Um, I heard one great story where uh, he he's in a room. It seemed like Holiday Inns were the things they liked destroying the most. Right, yeah. So he's in a room, and it's next door to Pete's. And uh, he left his tape recorder in Pete Townsend's room. And wanted it back in the middle of the night. So he's pounding on the door. But Pete Townsend is like in a drunken stupor, fast asleep, and uh, he he can't get in there. So he uses, I don't know what he uses, but he breaks through the wall and start. he digs a tunnel Shawshank. from his hotel room into Pete Townsend's enough for... Uh, 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 You know, an English fellow to crawl through, Mm -hmm. walks into Pete Townsend's room, gets the tape recorder and then goes back into his room. Um, Then the next morning, I think that, you know, hotel managers knew to check on their rooms before they'd check out. Yeah. So the hotel manager sees this giant hole and he was like, what's this? And Keith Moon was like, rats. He was like, I I can't believe, I can't believe you'd put me in this filthy room with rats. And the guy was like, Come on. So then Keith was like, All right. He's like, How much is it gonna cost to completely refurbish the room? So the manager's like, sixteen thousand. And he goes, All right, and he gives him sixteen thousand and then proceeds to destroy every single thing in the room, broad daylight, gets the manager to join in. Like throws the 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 TV out the window. They smash Eric. He's like, if I'm spending sixteen thousand to fix the room, I'm getting my money's worth.
1: Yeah, Amazing. yeah. There's
2: a there's a great one where uh, where he's uh, he was leaving. He was in a limousine um on the way to the airport and yeah and and told the limo driver hold on we got to go back i forgot something and they go back to the hotel he runs in the room grabs the tv and throws it out the window into the swimming pool and then hops back in the limo and
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's just so awesome I think this was a story about him, too. I heard, actually heard this a while ago, and I, but I, I think it was him, where he, again, he tunneled into somebody else's room, broke a hole into somebody's room, got what he needed to do, and then made another hole to go back into his room. Like, didn't use the same hole. He literally, like, used an indoor, and then he made an outdoor and uh, tunneled his way out the other way.
2: Yeah, I like, uh, you know, obviously his his sort of signature move was blowing up the hotel toilets with yeah. the cherry bombs to start with. And then he advanced to sticks of dynamite, mm-hmm. um, which is a bit more uh, dangerous than the cherry bombs. Mm-hmm. And uh, a great quote from him. All that porcelain flying through the air was quite unforgettable. I never realized
1: dynamite was so powerful. <laughs> That's it. Johnny uh, Johnny also owns a he's uh, part owner of a uh, vintage sports apparel store uh called Shibes Vintage Sports. That's not just sports related, you have other things. There's a t-shirt right there. That quote right there. I never realized that dynamite was, dynamite was that dynamite
2: powerful. So powerful.
1: Keith Moon. <laughs> um and speaking of dynamite, we should probably talk about their uh, their American TV debut.
0: Oh, on The Smothers Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Chip. So he would put like, like flash or
1: whatever the explosive was, you know, there would be like some stage antics and explosives. And he was also up high, like on a high riser. And he got a little bit of explosives that he didn't tell the rest of the band about or most other people. But he got it from the stage hand or whatever. And he put in. But then he took a bunch more without anybody else apparently knowing, put it in his drum. And at the end of I think it was my generation. Yes. Just it exploded, it exploded so much that the the drums went everywhere. He was actually partially impaled by one of his cymbals. It it made Pete Townsend deaf for a while, like it temporarily. Yeah, like Pete deaf.
0: Townsend's hearing problems came yeah. from that moment. From that moment, from that, Keith that he still Moon has stacking his drum set with dynamite.
1: Dynamite, and uh, Betty Davis, the, the actress Betty Davis, was a guest on that show. She was going to be on later on that show. And it it was so loud. She fainted. She, it knocked her out. <laughs>
0: you can, yeah. you can see this footage. Uh, if you just go to YouTube, you know, the who's mother's brothers, it's, it's all, it's all there. And you see mm-hmm. Pete Townsend's hair catches fire. You see him batting yep. fire out of his hair. Yeah. And that was also a thing too,
1: where, you know, Townsend was known for smashing the, the guitar. That was a big thing in the sixties. And so Somebody said that Townsend did it by accident. One time he like he they were playing in a club with like a low ceiling and he like took off his guitar, like moved it and it went into the ceiling. It was a low ceiling. So he was sort of embarrassed. Cause there was a bunch of these like art students or just like cool hipster kids there. And so he didn't want to make it look like an accident. So he just then destroyed the guitar to make it look like it was on purpose. And then of course, Keith moon jumps in on that. And then that became part of their antics was destroying their instruments afterwards. And I think it was around the time like Tommy and maybe the beginning of the 70s where Townsend was over it. He was like, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. This is just it's just antics. Like, I want to be a serious musician. And Keith was just like, no, I just want to keep blowing things up.
0: <laughs> um, I I saw an interview with uh, the road manager who's who's 90 percent of his job was just trying to corral Keith Moon throughout the yep. day and and get him to stage. And he would tell him, like, you know, if they were in a small town, he would be like, hey, you know, just so you know, if you destroy the drums tonight, like, there's no music store within 50 miles. Like, there is no chance of us being able to replace the drums in time for the next show. Yeah. And then Keith would, like, go extra hard on the drum set that night. And it, he, the, the, it took the manager several times to figure out. Like, oh, he's just doing this to fuck me.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, you know, probably a lot of people were sad when uh, Keith Moon died at a young age. But the stage manager uh, must have at least had some sense of relief. Like, can you imagine how much easier that guy's life got? Like, the minute
1: that, like, Keith Moon was no longer a part of it? Well, and then the one guy, because his one, and I don't know if this was the same guy, but... One of his like handlers basically, you know, was his really good friend throughout the years, but was the heavy. And I think it was like two years before he died. That dude was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm out. I'm done. And, and like quit just cause he couldn't, couldn't handle it anymore.
2: Oh yeah. You couldn't pay. You couldn't pay. I mean, seriously, think about it for a second. What would you have to be paid to be Keith Moon's handler? Like <laughs> there's no amount of money you can give me to do that. Yeah. Like there's no way I'm living that
0: life yeah. yeah well he he, oh, oh, oh. he he actually inadvertently killed one of his handlers Did um he? yeah they were he had a bodyguard who was one of his best friends and it was actually a tragic story it, his bodyguard was one of his best friends in the world and they went out to some club in England to see some it was like a punk band or something uh-huh. and It just there was some bad vibe in the audience that night. A lot of English skinheads had shown up Mm -hmm. and the uh, the the club turned bad. Like they it was just there. There was some violence. And so the bodyguards trying to rush Keith Moon out of there is everybody's spilling out into the street. And, uh, you know, Keith's got his Rolls Royce parked out mm-hmm. front. So of course that's what they take. That's what they start targeting. Cause they're like, Oh, who's this rich asshole. Right. And Keith Moon can't drive. And, uh, he's in there and it's him and, and someone from his team and, and, um, Keith Moon like gets behind the wheel and just tries getting out of there. And, um, Runs his bodyguard and best friend over Jesus. completely inadvertently, and apparently like that haunted him. He was cleared of all charges; it was it was ruled an accident. Mm-hmm. But apparently, like that haunted him until his dying day, and that probably had uh, that's probably what kept you know the the drugs going. He was probably just trying to numb himself from that for the rest of his life.
1: Oh, you look at that with so many people, obviously, like with that trauma and just masking that like it, Dennis Wilson, same thing, I think yeah. where he goes back the whole, you know, he took partial responsibility for the whole Manson thing and just couldn't handle it and, you know, drank himself to death or, you know, caused his death.
0: Yeah. Only yeah. Matthew Broderick seems like he got off scot-free, right? He really did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he killed a lady and he yeah. just went on with his life. Yeah. Broadway zone um when I have some other funny hotel room stories so so they're staying in the same hotel as the stones one night and uh, could you
1: imagine being the manager on duty that night yeah right just we got this like it's like oh you know there's a there's an insurance convention here it's gonna <laughs> be a little busy. How's how's your location doing? Oh, we have the Rolling Stones and the who. And it's 1971.
0: Yeah. And uh, can you like Keith Richards isn't even making your radar that night? No, no.
2: And I feel like people don't make enough uh, about the people who are in the hotel rooms next door to uh, Keith Moon and the who, you know, like, can you imagine like the complaints at the front desk? You know, at like 2 a.m. and like, you know, you're a parent, you know, and you got to go down to the front desk and let them know that dynamite just went off in the next room.
0: Well, yeah. Roger Daltrey said that Keith Moon had dropping the cherry bomb down the toilet to such a science because he'd done it so many times. He knew how long he had from when he lit the fuse. He knew what floor it was going to blow up on. And he knew that. Uh, If the fuse was long enough, they'd never be able to tie it to him because Uh it was so many floors below. And he did it one night and some dude was just uh, taking a crap, (laughs) completely, completely blew up on some like just poor guy who, you know, staying in a hotel, (laughs) staying in a holiday in. And Roger Daltrey said, like, the hotels would he said after a while, he felt like they were only pretending to be mad about it because they knew after the who left, they were going to get a whole lot of money. So right. they would, they would purposely put them in rooms that they wanted to refurnish. So they would put them, <laughs> like, they would
2: they put like delicate antiques in there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. They, they would, they would put them in uh they would put them in rooms that they wanted to redecorate. And you know, the, the, who would, the, the manager would pay them tens of thousands of dollars at the end of the stay. Uh, the the so Mick Jagger tells this story that it's five in the morning, you know, his door's locked and he he wakes up f- 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 sensing that there's somebody in the room. and Keith Moon is standing over his bed dressed as Batman, <laughs> just standing there looking at him. <laughs> And Mick gets very scared and he reaches, he, he grabs something to, to, you know, like some kind of weapon. He just grabs the nearest thing to, to fight this intruder. And Keith's like, oh no, 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 Mick, it's, it's me. It's Keith. And of course, Mick's thinking Keith Richards. Yeah. And he was like, the hell you are. Like, you're not Keith Richards. He was like, no, no, no. It's Keith Moon. And then he was (laughs) like, how the fuck did you get in my room? So I, I climbed up the fire escape <laughs> dressed as Batman. <laughs> Alice Cooper Alice Cooper tells a story. Him and Alice Cooper were good friends and Keith Moon would show up at Alice Cooper's house unannounced with bags packed and he would be like, "Hey, I'm just going to crash here for a couple weeks." So, um one one day, so Keith Moon shows up. Alice Cooper had just gotten married. His wife has absolutely no idea who Keith Richards, uh, who Keith Moon is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, but he's like, "Listen, this is my friend Keith. He's gonna, I guess, he's staying with us for a little bit." And uh, so one day, Alice and his wife go out shopping, and they come home, and there's like loud music playing from the record player. Keith Moon is cleaning their house, dressed in a French maid's outfit. <laughs> Like just dusting <laughs> in a French maid's outfit.
1: <laughs> like his pranks could be helpful. That's that's the nice part about Keith Moon.
0: He it's I mean he I think he had a very big heart. He just had you know childlike energy that that mm-hmm. couldn't. Um, Alice Cooper told another story about his wife. Uh, you know, so he's staying there, and his wife gets in her car, and she's going out shopping. And she drives a few blocks, and all of a sudden, two hands slam down on the windshield and scares (laughs) the shit out of her. Keith Moon was just lying on top of her car, and she gets in without even noticing that he was hiding. And he he just rode on the roof of the car for a few blocks, scared the shit out of her, and then jumped off.
2: Wow. It's i like the one where he um i like the one where he would uh have a bogus uh uh public service announcement oh yeah from this was- he would just drive through like a small town and he would like let people know that there was an invasion of snakes on its way and that they should go inside and lock the doors and um he would you know they would the the but, you know, the health department would let them know when it was safe to come back outside. And that's something that I mean, Chip, I feel like it's a little bit of a, a missed opportunity that you and I have never done that. Yeah. Um, how, I how feel like. Yeah. 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 I feel like Philadelphia would love a, a love a little prank like that. Yeah. Um, if we just sort of like rode in circles around like Rittenhouse and just said, please get back to your homes. There is an invasion of snakes.
1: Yeah, I, everyone. I think that's what we need to do. Everyone
0: knows what a great humor uh, Philly has, and I'm sure it would be taken with. He, he... Oh
2: yeah! Oh yeah! No, it would be friendly. I mean, it's not like somebody would just come running up to us
1: with a gun and then steal the car with <laughs> right. the... PA. He, yeah, he. Yeah, the, you know, he that, that's why Philadelphia's motto is, "Oh, you guys." <laughs>
0: <laughs> he he rigged his car. It would it had all sorts of speakers. And um, he would just have a chauffeur drive him around and he would he would just play these fake public service announcements and and get people all riled up. He would also uh, just
1: like he would just go out and boy, the 70s must have just been so much fun. And uh, this is just nothing but good natured humor for this one. But he would literally dress up in like Nazi uniforms and just go out. To the bar and just like hang
0: out, yeah, like that. Well, like just, yeah, well, you know, I think just in some, some good natured fun in the, se- I mean, but if you look at like Monty Python, like in the 70s, there was, yeah, it was it, like Nazis were funnier back, I think that because yeah. there was less of them then than there are now. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, <laughs> they're, they're not as funny now, but um, he, there's so many great stories where, um, he uh at one point buys a house in Malibu because oh, right he, next to Steve McQueen, right next to Steve McQueen, the, the, the actor from bullet. Mm-hmm. And um he's a big Steve McQueen fan. And he, he buys a house in Malibu cause he wants to be close to the home of the surf rock that he loves so much. Yeah. And um so he buys this house. Steve McQueen's is about 50 yards away and there's, there's some confusion as of to exactly what happens, but he's having a housewarming party, and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna walk over and invite Steve McQueen." Mm. So he knocks on Steve McQueen's door. Steve McQueen's 16 year old son answers, and instead of being like, "I think hey. it's uh,
1: Lightning McQueen," this is <laughs> yeah.
0: In- instead of being like, "Hey, can I talk to your dad?" He immediately invites the 16 year old to the party, and then either asks the 16-year-old for drugs or offers the 16-year-old drugs. Yeah. Um, In either case, Steve McQueen hears all of it from another room. And this is just, I think, getting off on the wrong foot. So he charges (laughs) out all pissed that he's talking about drugs with his teenage kid. He sicks his dog on Keith Moon. The dog bites Keith Moon. Keith Moon gets down on all fours and bites the dog back. (laughs) And then then, uh, Steve McQueen, you know, throws him out and um, he says after that, it was just like Steve McQueen hated him. First off, he's having parties. Every single night of the week, you know, would would you can imagine what living next door to Keith Moon must be like. Yeah. But they have beachfront property. And every morning, uh, Steve McQueen would wake up early and sit on his balcony and, like, drink his coffee and read the paper. And Keith Moon would come out dressed as a Nazi and just goose step back and forth in front of Steve McQueen's property. (laughs) Finally... Steve McQueen's had so much, you know, like he's had all that he can take. He, he gets the police involved and then the police are like, all right, why don't you guys come down to the station? This this is getting carried away. Maybe we can mediate this. Maybe we can work it out.
2: Well, if there's one thing that Keith Moon respects. It's authority figures. So yeah, I think right. getting police involved is a smart move.
0: Yeah. So um, Steve McQueen's there, like with his lawyers. Keith Moon's lawyer's there, but Keith shows up late, keeps everybody waiting. The sheriff's there. Finally, the door opens up. Keith Moon walks in, like, stumbling drunk, dressed as a Nazi. Like, full <laughs> Nazi uniform in the police station. I just my And then the sheriff is like, what the fuck is going on here? And I guess Keith Moon's lawyers like can't think of any, like he's scrambling to explain this. He's like, oh, he just came from shooting a commercial. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Third third rank gum.
1: (laughs) Want to get away for a while? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Polaroid, we know who you are. We have seen what you've done.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Ava, what do we got? Uh, milk, purple stuff. Sunny D. Yeah. Like what
0: <laughs> a commercial? I mean, maybe say a movie, right? I mean, even yeah. a TV show. But like, yeah. it's commercials. A <laughs> bad commercial was a bad first reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Calgon,
1: take me away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, appa- i think apparently like you know so the the lawyer makes up the story he's like oh he was coming from a commercial shoot or whatever and steve mcqueen just looks at him knows that for the last number of weeks if not months every morning he sees him goose stepping across his thing and he's he obviously knows that that's not true and apparently steve mcqueen just starts laughing and yeah just like, like but fuck this whatever i don't care and it just sort of it just well sort
2: of well down. i mean Go ahead. Imagine, like, just imagine, like, you know, ever you think that like, you know, a guy like Steve McQueen, you know, impossibly good looking Hollywood star, like his life must be perfect. Yeah. And then like he's sitting upstairs in his house looking out the window at a Nazi goose stepping back and forth on his front cycle. <laughs> <laughs> the worst nightmare possible.
0: <laughs> well, it was it was on the beach and, and he said that Keith would even go into the water. Like Keith would just be in his Nazi uniform and go for a swim. And then can you imagine like he's coming out of the water like Ursula Andrews and Dr. No <laughs> like shaking his hair, water everywhere. But it's just Keith Moon dressed as a Nazi. Oh,
1: my gosh. <laughs> he would this uh the band The Herd used to open for them, which was uh, Peter, Peter Franklin Frampton was in that band. band. And. He they, they said that he would just always screw with them and they wouldn't screw with uh, the they Frampton never really got the brunt of it, but they would literally put like firecrackers in like the keyboard player, like uh, under the keyboard. So they, they just like explosions would go off when they were opening for them. And the one time what they would do is their drummer had a gong behind the <laughs> the drum set and he and Whistle, Moon and Entwistle rigged up the gong on a pulley so that whenever they would know when the drummer would go to hit the gong and they would just yank the gong up so he couldn't reach the gong. So it would just like <laughs> he'd be ready to go have like the not the mallet or whatever the, you know, the thing is and be ready to hit the gong and they would just pull it up so it would be out of his reach and they could they, he couldn't hit the gong.
0: Yeah. Oh, Speaking of Entwistle, I, I heard a good hotel one with Entwistle where uh, Entwistle's in the hotel room with his wife. Keith busts in, blackout drunk, like, destroys the room. They're having a nice steak dinner, just him and his wife, like a quiet post-show dinner. Mm-hmm. Keith busts in, they're they're eating steak. Uh, he, like, sticks a fork in the steak and just starts eating it whole. Uh, pulls his dick out, takes a leak in the corner of the bedroom, and then walks out. And they said Entwistle got so mad that he goes into Keith's room and destroys it like destroys every single thing in the room and then he goes back to his room and falls asleep. Keith wakes up, the room's completely destroyed. He just assumes he destroyed it. Uh and you know, the hotel gives him a bill for like 40 grand and Keith Moon pays it. That's <laughs> He just he doesn't even question whether or not he had anything to do with it.
2: Well, speaking of uh, dynamite and fireworks, did we talk previously about your Chinatown show, Chip? I don't. Not on this
1: podcast. I don't. OK, yeah.
2: At. Now, I while we're talking about fireworks, I'd kind of like to uh, just just toss that one out there, not to get too far off on a tangent. But uh, uh, oh, no, is- go, you know,
1: go ahead. Bring up one of the greatest nights of my, my career. <laughs> yeah.
2: We were doing a show at the old Trocadero and uh, we had a great crowd. We were like, oh, my God, you know, because. Back then, like if you got 40 people, you were just like, oh, man, we are rock stars because
1: we're and- we're Yeah, we're pretty brand. We're only a couple of years into comedy at this point. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And and was that the same night there was a heavy metal show? So we were up. So the
1: Trocadero was this. Just, amazing we can cut
2: theater. this out. We can cut this one out uh, later, Ken. And we'll just have to give this for the Patreon listener.
1: Yeah, just for, <laughs> just for that. So. The, we did the show because we would do a Monday night show at the Trocadero up in the balcony bar. So there was like the big main theater, which is, you know, a rock club with a couple hundred people. And then the balcony bar upstairs was a separate entity with a stage that you could, again, fit 40, 50 people in comfortably. And we got a really great crowd. And we're like, oh, my God, we finally made it. That was also the same night that I showed up in the freezing cold to your apartment to pick you up. And this is like before cell phones were a big deal. and. You were like, I finally got a hold of you after banging on your door in the freezing cold, and you're like, "Oh, I'm already at the club," and so I was already like, you know, right. like just like right. you came in, yeah, it was a, yeah, off to a bad start. But then we're like, "Oh my god," the crowd came. It was like a bunch of our friends and other fans. We're like, "This is going to be the perfect show." I think Johnny, you were hosting it. We had a couple of our friends right. on it. I was headlining the show, and some. There was a heavy metal show downstairs when the heavy metal show let out. Somebody made an announcement. It was like, by the way, there's a comedy show upstairs and it's free. Right. And the bar is open. Yeah. It, it, First was of it, it wasn't a free show. Yeah. It was like a $10 show or I'm whatever. Guessing the but bar since wasn't they made open that announcement. Either. They're like, well, we can't do anything. And about 75 heavy metal fans right before the show started just piled in and just started drinking at the bar and going nuts
2: yeah, it was like, like we had 40 people really tight right in front of the stage. you really know, excited for the it. show. And like, you've got that crowd that's the perfect size for the room. And yeah. you're just like, oh, this is going to be a freaking lights out show. These people are going to laugh. We are. We did it. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the PA guy sends these 75 assholes up to the bar to get loud. You know how loud people are after they've been to a live yeah. show. Yeah. Oh, it's just like, like, you got to be kidding me. So we're just up on stage screaming, trying to get through, (laughs) trying to get through the show. And the guys are at the bar and we're like, you know, it's just like, how do you can corral this? Like, it's too it's too crazy. They're not here for comedy. They're here to drink. And so it's just loud. It's obnoxious. The show is hanging in there like it's, you know, by a thread by a thread and chip like chip is a guy especially who does not like there to be variables
1: i could <laughs> yeah. see that especially yeah. especially back then yeah was, right. i could i could see, see that for at
2: no so chip Chip is just got, you know, he's he's in one of these moods where he's just got a clenched fit, a clenched jaw. And Vivid. I'm like, OK, I know that <sighs> Chip is pissed, but, you know, let's just get through the show. We'll go out in Chinatown, have some late
1: night dinner. We'll be all right. Because the so, Trucker is in the heart of Chinatown. Yeah. Or it was. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So so we're 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 doing the show. We're piling through. It's you know, like there's some here last here and there, even from the heavy metal crowd. And so Chip's the headliner. Chip goes up. 30 seconds into his set. Pop, 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 up there. It was Chinese New Year.
1: It was in the heart of Chinatown. And the parade came through. And the
2: parade starts 30 seconds into
1: chips. For my entire set, it was just loud fireworks the entire time. It was like I was just in a war zone. And I just stood up and I just tried. And finally, I was just like, you know, yeah. I just walked off stage. I think it was like, that's the show. Good
0: night. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious.
2: Oh, man. Oh, that's fun Because I was just sitting there. I mean, I just was it was one of those things where it was like I felt bad. And at the same time, it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen because I oh, yeah. already went on stage in a bad mood. Yeah. And like, but he was going <laughs> to fall through it because he's a professional. Yeah, and then these fucking fireworks! Come
0: <laughs> off. Oh, there's nothing better. There's nothing better than watching your friend flounder or something happen. Oh, right? yeah, of it's course, the of course. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's the best.
1: right?
2: It's the best. Yeah, all time. It went from being just an absolute, just kick-ass show yep. to being the biggest shit show of all time.
1: That's yep. so
0: funny.
2: And then we never got asked back again,
0: which
1: was great. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were, yeah, we were asked to not come back. Again. Yeah. Uh, so, so Keith, Keith Moon, you look at him at the end of his, he, he dies in 1978. Spoiler alert. He's about 55 years old. You look at him, you're like, okay, mid fifties. Yes. Right. 32
0: years old. Yeah. I don't, I think, he, I don't even know that he was third. I think it may have been just shy was of his 32nd birthday. Okay so
1: like 31
0: yeah and and i he overdoses ironically mm-hmm. on pills he he finally decides it's time to get sober yeah he realizes he's drinking himself to death and he's given pills to curb your appetite for drinking and i think he's also
1: scared because one of the big things that i saw was that it's like a his life his health everything's going down but the who was ready to kick him out they were like they're going on a world tour they're like we don't think we can trust you uh you better shape up or or you're not going on tour and that was everything to him that was
0: everything that was all he had and his his skills were diminishing uh they had trouble with him during the recording of who are you Mm -hmm. He, he he couldn't keep up his antics had worn thin And um, so ironically, he's at the premiere of the Buddy Holly story. And then he goes to an after party thrown by Paul and Linda McCartney, Mm -hmm. his girlfriend at the time. You know, she keeps waiting for him to be like Keith Moon of the party. And he was like, hey, I'm tired. I'd just like to go home and and go to bed early, like for the first time in his entire life. Mm -hmm. But he he takes these pills that are meant to curb his alcohol he has one glass of champagne goes home he's snoring really loud so the girlfriend goes downstairs to the couch passes away in his sleep and it was an it's ruled an accidental overdose but those pills were supposed to be administered at the hospital and he was only supposed to take one administered by a doctor and they found like 32 of these pills and you know i guess he thought well if one's gonna help me kick alcohol yeah 32 is i'll, I'll have this thing licked
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i'll never drink again and, and, and you
0: know and actually he never did drink again yeah
2: no no it did you know in a sense yeah, in yeah. A sense it worked
0: um his girl, I this his final girlfriend. She was eighteen, and he he was thirty one. But uh, I I read a funny story where she said, the night she met him, she she walked into some club in England. She had a boyfriend with her, who she was dating seriously. They walk in, and Keith Moon swinging from the chandelier, and um, then Keith Moon proceeds. He like sets his sights on her, and he's just chatting her up all night. And then she's like, she she's not really comfortable with it. And she keeps like looking around for her boyfriend, like to rescue her from Keith Moon. And her boyfriend never comes. And, and he's gone. Yeah, he's just gone, like disappeared. And she can't figure out what happened. And then Keith just pesters her and she ends up going home with him. She finds out later. Keith Moon saw her, thought she was the most beautiful girl he'd ever seen and paid some of his boys to throw the boyfriend out <laughs> they just ejected this dude from the club
1: <laughs> yeah. and she went along with it she was like well okay i guess i'm dating him yeah
0: now. yeah right which
1: is actually you think that's funny ken but that's actually the way that johnny met his wife <laughs> yeah that's right. that's right yep from a chandelier yep um My
2: wife, so here's a fun fact, rock and roll fact about my wife, is that she was asked to the prom by uh, the drummer for Blink-182.
0: Oh, Travis Barker?
2: I think so. Let me, uh, let me,
0: let me, no. The the fellow that's with Kourtney Kardashian?
2: uh, Yeah, was it? Yeah, it was, yeah, I think it was Travis Barker. No, no, sorry. It was Tom DeLong. She got asked to prom. So not drummer. It was the it was uh, the front guy. But yeah, Tom DeLong. She went to high school with him, that Poway High School in San Diego. And she used to go see those guys when there was like uh, 10 people in a garage. And he asked her to prom. And she's like, she already had a boyfriend. So she said, no. Oh, so, wow. True rock and roll story, folks. And now, now, now she uh, was super uh,
1: into UFOs now, I believe.
2: Yep. Yeah, no, he's the one that like has proven they're real.
1: Does she bring that up on a daily basis? And oh, uh, all the time, yep. yeah, yeah. Well, it's not so much brings
2: it up; it's more rolls her eyes and mutters under her breath. If only I'd gone to that prom with Tom DeLong.
1: Tom
0: DeLong. Yeah. yeah, yep, yep. Now so here anyways, she is with, with her an loss owner, of my game, an yeah. owner of a her, her, her sports franchise. That is true, right.
2: right? Yeah. How many pro sports teams does Tom DeLong own?
0: Zero, I think.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: Um, One last story, and then I'll let you out of here. I, I thought this one was really funny. So for me, uh, Substitute is one of the great Who songs of sure. all time. And I think he's, he plays, Keith he plays brilliantly on Substitute, but apparently he was so blackout drunk recording it. He has no memory of ever recording it. And when he hears it on the radio, you know, it like rockets up the charts and he hears it on the radio and He busts into a uh, band meeting one day, screaming at all of them for replacing him. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even recognize his own playing. He'd never heard the song before in his life and thought that they brought in another drummer. (laughs) 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 That's amazing. And I guess that's it. I
1: think I think we hit I think we hit a lot of the, uh, a lot of the uh, highlights, the debauchery. The, the, the debauchery we, I, I don't of, think uh, we
0: even like, you know, scratch the str- surface. Scratch the surface but right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There was there is a great documentary that I watched again. I think it was BBC documentary of, of Keith Moon. You can watch it on YouTube. It was really good. There's
0: there's a great if if you're looking for like a, there's two, I think, definitive who documentaries. Uh, the Kids Are All Right you see a lot of the footage of the stuff that we discuss oh there's a great interview uh he was best friends with ringo there's a great interview and the kids are all right when ringo's interviewing him just about very like banal shit like nothing uh but keith is dressed in he's like in his underwear only in bondage gear he's got a leather like a leather bondage face mask on <laughs> and a ball gag and a lady is whipping him (laughs) and he's just doing his best to answer Ringo's questions. (laughs) And there's no explanation for why he's like this. (laughs) They don't, they don't even acknowledge that, that he's being whipped. Um, So the kids are all right is, is, uh, is really good. And then there's one called um, amazing journey, which uh, there's a, it's broken up into like four parts where they spotlight each member of the band. Okay. Check it out.
2: All right. Yeah. I want to watch kids are all right. I've actually never seen. Them. Yeah.
0: So, um, yeah.
1: I've seen yeah, parts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's some amazing footage of them. Mm. So, all right, Johnny, anything to uh, anything to promote or no Friday. Who who are you playing Friday?
2: We're playing Montreal on Friday oh. and then we're headed up to Canada the next weekend. Um, I may take the Canada trip. I'm trying to get it all figured out now, but I'm hoping to, hoping to ride up to watch some ultimate in Canada. That's uh, one of my you know childhood dreams. Yes. One of these days, I want to watch some pro ultimate Frisbee in Ottawa, uh, was mm. something when I was six years old and you know, now I got a chance to, Yeah. so, um, but yeah, uh, check us out. We're on uh, Instagram and Twitter at PHL underscore Phoenix. Um, I'm uh, much more optimistic and upbeat on those social media handles than I am on my own personal, uh, media channels. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Excited season starts Friday. It's been insane. It's, it's a lot of fun and it's, uh, totally, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole lot to get into, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun and, and hopefully we'll get a, we'll get a big crowd and, and throw a party.
1: And I'm, I'm not a I've said this before, but I'm not a big sports guy. And it's it's my favorite sporting event. Like, it's it's so much fun to go to. So uh, definitely, definitely check it out.
0: Well, good luck, Johnny. You're the only person that will get me rooting for a Philadelphia team. You? Right. As somebody All who grew up in the New York area, uh, I've, I've never, never rooted for Philly for anything in my life. But I you've 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 made me a uh, Phoenix fan.
2: Yeah, well, good because the New York team. I mean, it's it's a bunch of pretty boys. You wouldn't want to. The New York team is not somebody you want to root
0: for. What, what's what's so, their name?
2: The New York Empire. That's
0: terrible. Yeah.
2: States, yeah, I mean, it's right there. It's just they're they're yeah. I mean, that's a whole other show. But yeah, you want to root for the Philly team?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Chip, you're gonna be anywhere? Uh, just follow me at Chip Chantry uh, on uh, on the socials. How about you, Ken?
0: Um, our first, I love rock and roll comedy show is, Mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, May 11th at the stand in New York city at 9. PM. You can see a lot of the guests from this show. And, uh, this weekend I will be, uh, starting Thursday, the 12th through the 14th. I will be with rich Voss at Mohegan sun in Connecticut. So come out, come out to that.
1: That's great. Uh, well, thank you, Johnny. Good times. And, uh, Hopefully we did Keith Moon uh, justice. I think we did.
0: I think so. I hope so. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.